Uh, yeah, definitely. So then we need somebody to look up to for who working hard and that shit paying off and they stand down, bang, you know, keeping faith, whatever, whatever. Definitely look to Ed, man. So, yeah, never give up on yourself, bro. A lot of us, you know, look up to you from a distance or up close, you know, for our own inspirations and to keep us motivated. So, yeah. Welcome to the Dreams by Any Means Motivation Station. I'm your host, Ed Doxon. Today I have a very special guest. Um, this is a first time where there's a guest that I literally just met, what, two hours ago? Yeah. But um, this represents the brand and the purpose of the podcast, which talks about networking and growing your network. And how I said when I started this, it was started to expose you to my network and show you the importance of how networking is critical to your success. Um, but in the midst of networking, you know, you meet people with different times, different things. So we're here live at the gathering spot here in D.C. Um, I came in with a friend I went to high school with to interview him for the podcast, and I ran into her. And now we're sitting here, and I'm excited to welcome Ayana to the show. Hey. How you doing today? I feel great. Friday. I had a great week. This mm-hmm. is a great close to a great week. Like. So for those listening, you're probably a little jealous. She's just getting back from Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> she brought the warm weather back here, though, to D.C., though, so that's good. I did. I tried my best. I tried to bring as much as I could with me. I haven't said anything negative i've been real positive just trying to bring all those vibes here yeah because yeah, yeah. i know people haven't had a chance to leave it's the weather's been super inconsistent right but i heard as soon as i left it was 80 degrees here yeah, so yeah. then went back to like 40 or something like that so yeah. it's like up and down but yeah we're here though but um cool you know we could jump right into it yana um you could tell people about yourself where you're from what you got going on okay cool so my name is ayana evans i am a dc native uptown Uptown, run the tail. Uptown, run the tail. Uptown, run the tail. Y'all already know. Um, What else about me? I'm the owner of Natural Wellness, formerly known as Natural Crown and Core. I am a loctician. Started off as a loctician, and Natural is now expanding into like a holistic wellness brand. So we are focused on creating strategies that make wellness a part of everyday life. Just making sure that. Well, wait. What is wellness? I forgot. People don't know. That's what how I was is. just about to say. Yeah, people my have bad. different definitions. Let so. me roll that back. So, <laughs> my goal is to educate people on what wellness actually is, so that they can find ways to incorporate it into their lives. So, mess with me. We break wellness down into eight different areas and attack them. Well, not attack them. Approach them mm-hmm. um, in a strategic way that allows anybody. It just makes it super palatable to make living well a part of your life because the best way to live is well like when someone asks you how you're doing you should say oh i'm well and so i just make it easier to do that absolutely now how long has this journey been for you um is this something that's been since you were a kid or is this something that you know like in the last couple of years as far as like just really honing in and focusing on your wellness so um i should say backtrack a little bit i get super excited about natural's new direction Mm -hmm. so i kind of always leave out everything that comes along with it. Okay. So I just get some, oh, wait, cheers. Cheers, cheers. Here, over there. I'll pass to you. <laughs> um, this is the first guest to bring me a drink to the episode. Like, this is okay, new. Well, so future well, guests, y'all got to step <laughs> your game up. Um, so, yeah, I've been an entrepreneur since the fourth grade. Mm-hmm. My first job was selling candy on the playground. Um, my dad was an entrepreneur. My mom's an entrepreneur. Okay. My family's very entrepreneurial. I don't know... Any of them that have job jobs. That's but, solid. Yeah, it's cool. It definitely gave me a different perspective about work exactly. and about how to get things done and just never being, I guess, not busy. But not busy in a way of just running around, busy and effectual, and right. busy in a way to make a way. 
Right, because activity don't equal achievement all the time. No, because yeah. you could just be doing stuff. Right, right. <laughs> just like, doing it. You crashing. Hey, I'm just, I'm just out here. <laughs> Marshawn Lynch said, I'm just here so I don't get fined. Right, right. People be going through life like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's sad. It's crazy for them. But uh, my entrepreneurial journey started in elementary school, and then I've always been into doing hair. So, like, from when the time I was, like, 14, mm-hmm. I started doing hair until now. Um... I just started, I was, like, opening and closing salons at 14, then graduated to, like, doing celebrity styling. Um, We had a, I worked in a salon where we had, like, a majority of D.C. politicians, stuff like that, so I learned a lot of professionalism and just how to navigate in high-profile situations. Yeah. Um, I also lived in Chicago, so I used to work out there. That gave me a kind of a different direction where I focused, I worked for, you know who Bobby Simmons is? He used to be an NBA. Mm -hmm. Yes, I used to work for him. He used to have a sneaker store in Chicago. He still does. It's he and his partner, Lavelle Sykes, and so it's called Success. That store gave me, like, all of the... I don't know if you ever seen the movie 300, but it was, like, going to become a fucking Spartan. Like, yeah, that was everything. (laughs) Like, um, and that just really put me around men, more men, and seeing, like, how guys take care of themselves, right? So, like, going to shop was a big deal. How do dudes do this? How do guys get into this? And then I was simultaneously working at one of, like, the bigger salons in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, one of the big black salons called Toss. And I'm not sure if it's still open, but the owner there passed away a couple of years ago. But he taught me a lot about business acumen um, and then just dealing with, like, male clientele. So I ended up doing locks because I had this one stylist who taught me. She was the only one with locks. Mm-hmm. And it, the way that she took care of the guys that came in... Like, seeing them there versus in a barbershop was just a completely different vibe. Like, and I wanted to provide that because I felt like, okay, a barbershop is a really intense area. Right. Like, <laughs> I don't care how tough you are. You yeah. go in a barbershop, you got to yeah. let me get ready. Like, <laughs> so I, I really wanted to be the person that could cultivate the same level of care that these guys were looking for, mm-hmm. but not make it as aggressive right, as right. the barbershop. I got right? So I started the lock journey of the... Hair care, natural journey mm-hmm. at Howard. Okay. I moved back to uh, from Chicago in the interim, lived in Atlanta, lived in California, came back to D.C., went to Howard. And, like, by the time I left D.C., nobody, everybody locks were this big. Yeah. But when I came back, everybody <laughs> should have dropped. Right. So I was like, oh, look at this market. And so I kind of wanted to create, and then I was at, I went to Howard as an adult student. Okay. So I was, like, older than everybody, a little bit older. But I was still, like, young, you yeah. know, and in the mix. So I would just meet the young guys who needed a hairstylist because mm-hmm. they hadn't been home. Right, they're not right. from D.C., so they're walking around. Their hair, their new girls look like mine look, but, yeah. you know, not <laughs> as slick. And um, I would just pull them to the side and be like, look, who does your hair? Mm-hmm. And nobody. Mm-hmm. And, damn, that made right. me feel some type of way because all I would hear from my girlfriends was, these men not anything, they're not about anything, they're not this. And I'm like, well, they don't feel good because look at how they look right now. How he right. going to be able to talk to you? Yeah. His confidence is like yeah. on zero. Like you look better, you feel better. You look better, right. you feel better, you do better, mm-hmm. right? So um, that was what I was trying to do. Yeah. I was trying to be that intermediate, like the big sister type of vibe and like literally take these boys and give, give them their confidence back. And it's crazy because some of my oldest clients, I got them our fresh, our sophomore years. These men are grown now. Like, they've been in my class for the last eight years. And then just watching them transform has mm-hmm. been masterful. Yeah. And that's what gave me the inspiration 
um, to kind of segue into like doing wellness as right. a whole because there's aesthetic, so much the more head. than the aesthetic. Yeah. 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 But that, I wanted to ask you real quick, you know, just like said, being from D.C. and then that stint in Chicago, come back to D.C., I know D.C. played a role in, like, you know, just seeing people with the locks. We also know, like, Chicago is known for, like, a lot of guys out there really, really mm-hmm. rocking the locks. So when you were there, did you observe that a lot, too? That's, that's where I got my inspiration. That's where so came, okay. the woman who informally taught me how to do locks, her name is Daria. Because I don't know who's going to see this, but y'all just <laughs> need to hear all these names so that when you're in Chicago, I think Daria's in uh, Arizona right now, but okay. she just... Put in Daria's Naturals, whatever you find. She's blonde. She may have hair right now. She may not. Yeah. But, and she had her daughter super cool. Y'all might know Sheila Rashida. Uh, Sheila. That name sounds familiar. She's a designer. So she had the helicopter shirt with the helicopter on it. And then she made those dope-ass overalls that Chance the Rapper I remember, yeah, the Chance. Okay. Yeah, that's her daughter. Her daughter made Chance's overalls. So Daria fired. Okay. Like, I was all in the little scene up there. So, like, yeah, 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 I was in the mix. And so, like, I really was in. (laughs) (laughs) She's an old block. Come on, man. I'll play. (laughs) Wow. So the hoodie that Chief Keith had on in the... uh, in his first video when he was in the house, was it sober? What, the blue? It was like a blue hoodie? It's a success hoodie. He has on oh, a red success hoodie. Okay. That's the store I used to work at. That's crazy. So you, you saying that shit, but it's actually... And they have a, you know, it's my funny you mention because like, I'm a big fan of Chicago music, but like, they have a lot of, uh, you know how all urban cities got the local clothing lines? Yeah. But I noticed out there, like, it's a really big thing, like, with their clothing lines. And they, like, merge with DTLR. Compared yeah. to, like, kind of we do here, but it's only a few brands that get in that door. See, the only thing that's different about Chicago is, like, for one, well, I think it's a lot of differences. Yeah. Every city has its differences. Right. But the reason I loved it there is because it really reminded me of home. Right. It was just blacker. Yeah, yeah. Because it's bigger. And it was yeah. more, and it was, like, had... It was bigger, and it gave gentrifiers their space to do their bullshit. Right, because it's, so, it gave, big, it's, so, it's big. so big. It's but so big. But DC is so small, and every part of it's valuable that when they was ready to take DC, they just took it. Yeah, and, and so, DC changed by the blocks. One block oh, might just, be one way; the next block is totally different. <laughs> but sadly, all the blocks are starting to look the same, and yeah. none of it looks like how we would like it to look. All right. So, <laughs> out there is bigger. And what I will say back when I was like out there like oh nine to thirteen or to uh what is it? Two thousand nine to like twenty eleven. Oh, you were like I was out there for like six years. Yeah. And so when I was there the rent was super cheap. You know, everyone's con- it's like a more concentrated environment of people that are collectively working on the same stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's also enough like support from different communities that have the money to be able to support the ideas of those locals. So, like, here we have Eat, and we have stuff like Paradise, and we have Madness, and we have, what, Grindstone, and we have... Yeah, oh, how could I forget? And, um... Sorry. Museum is the shit. Yeah, like, my bad. They in Foot Locker, too, by the way. You know, just talking about brands getting that partnership. They in Foot Locker. Yeah. They are. Mm-hmm. The thing about it is, and I was talking to an aviated mm-hmm. Charlton. Um, we, we was all having a conversation and brought up the fact that there's a lot of gatekeeping that goes on in D.C. Yeah. It's a lot of gatekeeping that goes on in Chicago, too. Yeah. But it's not that same, like... Big bro, little bro, big homie, little homie energy. Because we don't have a lot of gangs out here. Right, right. They gang bang. Yeah, yeah, so <laughs> like, niggas are like still gang banging. So, and it's like the camaraderie. And, and, 
it's just different. Yeah, and, and it's sorry to cut you off, but like, because we talked about this before in some of my chats, it's sometimes a disadvantage for us, meaning that, you know, we, we don't do the gangs and we're not trying to say we support the gangs. No, but, we're not supporting right. gangs. But what but comes with gangs is more structure and more yes. people you got to answer to. DC's a town where it's like everybody their own man. Yes. So it's like there's no really. And we can't afford that shit because right. I don't know if y'all are remiss in understanding the whole prison population of the 90s and how half these men don't have that. Like a lot of people, daddies was just gone. Then it was no uncles. Then it was mm-hmm. no people that just reached down and said, come on, little girl. Come on, little sis. <clears throat> It was more women who did that because it was just more women in general. Right. But then you have, like, I mean, that's a whole other conversation just getting But that into stuck it. out to me earlier, though, because I was going to ask you, like, you know, because typically in our communities, I'm blessed, you're blessed, people don't usually have their dads. I wanted to ask you, like, how was, your, you know, your dad being in your life? How did that impact you? Because I'm sure you had friends who didn't have their dad. I mean, I don't know. My dad is, like, he was my superhero. Yeah. You know, he passed away the year I came back Sorry to D.C. To so he's the whole reason I even went back to school because I really was fine. Like, I thought I was fine. Yeah. I thought I was doing well. All my friends were celebrities. You know, I got a world star video. Mm-hmm. I'm out here. I'm chilling. <laughs> and, you know, he would just kind of ground me like, look, I don't know what you think you're doing, but this is what you should be doing. And for me, I think outside of just having that stability of having another voice, because my mom and I, are very similar in the way that we just we we function similarly but he's always been a voice of reason yeah um yeah i mean i think that that gave me access to the fact that men need support what type of support to offer um to offer men and to just like the kind of benefit that providing that type of care in that sector would provide because my dad and i were like friends in a way yeah so like i would have access to like you know his secrets and stuff like shit he didn't want to say out loud or to other people so i'm like oh okay i knew how to develop those type of like trustful relationships with men he taught me a lot of just like solid stuff like just to not be his one of his favorite expressions i my dad is the bros i just feel like i should preface this next statement with that He'd be like, you can't be no weak-ass bitch out here. Yeah. Like, don't be on no weak <laughs> shit. Like, yeah. if you're going to be anything, you need to be strong. You need so. to be resilient. You need to be able to get up and do that shit. And so that's why I was able to go to Howard at 23 and sit there with 18-year-olds and listen to their opinions, but still forge through that shit and just yeah. create solutions for them. Yeah. I never had a job. So yeah. this year was my first year getting a job. Okay. I'm a teacher yeah. right now. <laughs> if, you can, if you can imagine it. Pray for you. We're pray for I you. teach uh, kindergarten through third graders. And so I'm writing their curriculum as I'm teaching it, but yeah. I'm building a financial literacy curriculum for them. Okay. And so that shift in itself, I don't know what I would have done without the influence of both my parents. Yeah. I don't know. Because yeah. both of them taught me different ways to approach par- parenting. I'm not a parent, but parenting. They parented yeah. me differently. I can reflect on both methods of parenting. Right. Collective methods of parenting. Now, you're the only child. No, I'm the oldest. Okay. Uh, I got it. Got I'm it. the oldest. And I'm the oldest, so, like, there's six years <laughs> and ten years younger than me. And then I have step-siblings now who are... Six years and eight yeah. years younger than me, so. So you kind of grew up only child for the most part. Oh yes, yeah. I had six years to myself, right, and then right. these little people started popping up, <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, this is nice and ghetto. <laughs> <laughs> this no, is ghetto. For sure, for sure. That's 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 yeah. 
And I'm an only child. That's why I asked. I thought maybe he's an only child. I but, wish. But, Sometimes. Uh, I love my siblings. I do. Yeah. With all my heart. But, I mean, damn. You ever feel, like, weight on your shoulder being the oldest? Yeah, all the time. Yeah. Um, thankfully, you know, my little sister, she, my immediate young uh, little sister, she's just amazing. Mm-hmm. And so, we've gone through a lot of stuff, differences. We're different people. Um, and we've had different upbringings. Like, my parents were young when they had me in their 20s early 20s they were in their 30s they had bread they she lived she grew up in shepherd park i grew up wherever the fuck we was at right at that (laughs) moment (laughs) you know when my sisters were growing up my parents were in black enterprise when i was growing up it was like yeah we're gonna go eat this pizza like you cool with that so i just had we have very different mentalities Mm -hmm. when it comes to work when it comes to how to get things done she's by the book I'm more like, let's make a path for Make it shit. work, right. And so, you know, I respect that. I respect um, how that works. But I had to tell her one time, I was like, I'm sorry for anything that you felt like I was supposed to teach you that I haven't learned or anything that I was supposed to teach you that I haven't because I had to learn a lot of shit that I didn't know by myself. And so I feel like being honest with yourself. Yeah. And then trusting yourself and being vulnerable enough with your siblings to share that yeah. takes some of the weight off. Because at the end of the day, I told her, I was like, look, you're a human being. I'm a human being. I was like, I'm always going to do everything I can do to protect you when I can. Yeah. You have to keep in mind, I have to survive too. Yeah, and so yeah. we're both surviving, but I'm going to always protect you. Right, right. So that's, that's our philosophy. They understand that. And <laughs> that's all I can carry. You know, I can't, we don't have the same objectives. So let's talk about, um, you know, just dive deeper into the whole wellness thing. You know, we know how that came about, what inspired you, but let's just like dive deep into now, you know, like what you have going on, what's maybe the future of it, you know, your passion behind it even more. Okay, yeah. So like I said, this was my first job this year as an educator uh, working at Legends. It's a charter school in Maryland. Yeah. It's founded, it's a black owned Black and Afro-Latina-owned charter school. Super dope. The principles are, foundational principles are like social, emotional learning and financial literacy and sustainability. So I'm the financial literacy coordinator and I'm working under one other person who's like the the director of financial literacy. So we're creating a financial literacy program for K through third, right? So this was my first time working with kids. I've been a mentor before, but I never really did this. And they are the toughest audience. There is nothing easy about that audience, right? Yeah, attention span is out of this world. Oh, my goodness. They're, no, the thing about it is they'll give you all their attention, but the second you're not exciting anymore, it's over. Like, oh, if you're disengaged for two seconds, it's done. Free. Free you time. You lost them. <laughs> They're like, we're going to give you what we got. And yeah. not much. Yeah. And so... Being around them and being in that educational sphere mm-hmm. and then taking the stuff that my clients and I talk about, because um, we've reached into some really deep things, yeah. I started to realize, like, me being a stylist is more than me just doing these people's hair. Like, I'm like a guardian of their vision. Mm-hmm. Like, they let me, they're entrusting me. Yeah. And I'm educating them about how to care for themselves. And so then given the platform that I have as an educator in the school system, I'm like, these people are trusting me to give them information. Right. And I want to, and I I feel obligated to 
I feel empowered mm-hmm. to really give them the truth. Yeah. So boom. How do we get here? <laughs> so I came to TGS. Um, when I first started coming to TGS, I started explain making... Explain what that is. Oh, the gather spot. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> we in here. So I was... <laughs> so when I first started coming to the gathering spot, um, I started making, making relationships with people, like the people that worked here, because I'm huge on relationships. Like my parents always taught me like um, the prince... And the pauper, you should treat them both the same. Yeah. You know, we build relationships with everybody. We all, my dad used to say the great equalizer is time. Everybody only has 24 hours. And so treat everybody the same. So I've been building relationships with people here. One of the girls that used to work here suggested, like, hey, you should throw a seminar. I didn't never throw a seminar <laughs> before. <laughs> but I was like, okay, what should it be about? And she was like, I don't know, but you're so motivational. Like, it should be a motivational seminar. <laughs> So my mom and I used to make vision boards all the time. Um, and I was like, okay, I'm going to get the group together. We're going to make vision boards. Because mm-hmm. I just started thinking, like, I help people look better, feel better, do their best. Let me think of something that's going to teach people how to take care of themselves and be able to see it, even if I'm not doing their hair. And that was the, pro- that was the goal behind the product line as well, just to be able to touch people without being able to having to touch them physically. Mm-hmm. So the strategy that I'm going, the direction that Natural is going in now, uh, I'm just developing like self-help wellness guides and offering like self-help seminars just because I want people to focus on creating a vision for themselves, having a vision. So there's a proverb that I really like, um, 29-18, without vision, people perish. Mm. And so... um, That's true. Without vision, people perish. I was listening to Michael Todd, and he, he laid that joint down the people, right way. A lot of people be tired. I tapped into him a little bit, but I never tapped into too much. Um, I heard a lot about him, though, for sure. You know, I think that any person, any man's opinion, I think we're all governed by God to a certain extent, mm-hmm. and any man's opinion should be taken lightly, mm-hmm. and you just take the word for what it is. If it's, yeah. if it's written down, write, go and research it. If somebody said it and they gave you a, a what page number it was on, just go look at that shit for yeah, yourself. Yeah. He gave me a page number. I only trust people that know page numbers. All right. <laughs> you feel me? So, um, my granddad's a reverend. So. Okay. And I think, wow, that might have something to do with it too. Yeah, I mean, so so I, 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 I <laughs> and I try not to stop guests a lot, but as you're talking, like you know, you're talking about the statement you just made about a man, statement you just made about a reverend. Your dad um, getting into the law thing, providing self care, better things for men, um, and I say this because I'm mean, even not even gonna say women, but just the society of today. You know, it's very um, you know people removing gender roles, people talking about you know masculine talks, uh, people being masculine talks, all that type of stuff. But it seems like you have like a nice, like you have a, a, a respect for men, like you you see them in a certain way, but in a good way. And I'm not saying everybody would see men in a bad way, mm-hmm. but sometimes for women, especially in our community, they may just not know how to see that man because they never seen one. They may have never grown up with a guy or the guys yeah. they grew up with, they may have just seen all the negativity. Right. And sometimes, you know, nothing's wrong with it, but a lot of times our women usually got to pick our men up in right. our communities, whether that's raising the boys, whether that's whatever. But it seems like from your experience, you understand, like, a man does this and I you know it's like not even expect but like you understand like how a man is supposed to walk how a man is supposed to talk and that's I, good and I, I'm I mean I, I don't I'm not a man so I can only go by the things I've I guess all the women in my family are married 
Ah, uh, see, but that's a, see, that's another. Thing. I'm not married. I don't. But what you I'm just say? What, what you I'm just say? Though. To it, but the women in my family are married. But, but, so what, but what you just say from that quote from the Bible? What? If you don't have vision, you perish. You perish. So like you have vision because you seen, seen these it. women I've go, you know, it. do it. Yeah, I've yeah. seen what men have to do. Right, that's solid. And um, I also like. I mean, I've been in bad relationships, yeah. and I've. But I remember, okay, I dated this one guy. He was older than me, and he was just like, no matter what happens in your relationship, don't let these men jade you. Mm-hmm. He was like, you don't ever have to have a bad opinion about anybody just because something bad happened with one person. And I was like, all right, okay, that's fine. And another thing that I believe wholeheartedly is that everybody's on their own survival plane. Mm-hmm. And... It's taken me a long time. I've been to therapy. I've just been through stuff where I'm like, oh, those those encounters weren't him trying to hurt me. That was his survival method. And so sometimes our survival methods don't align with each other. Yeah. And we end up in precarious situations where we're not treating each other properly. But, like, you have to deal with the people who your survival meshes with. And so... Um, you know, that's, I've seen my dad make mistakes. Deep. I've seen my grandfather make mistakes. I've seen my uncles make mistakes. Yeah. I've seen every man that's around me make a mistake. I've also seen them try again. Mm-hmm. And I've seen the women who were behind them inspiring them to try so again to up, yeah. and supporting them when they fell back down. Right, right. And I don't think that men get enough, especially black men, because as a black woman, I know that I'm dehumanized every day. Yeah. So I know that Black men are dehumanized every day. Yeah. So I'm not in a competition with who has a greater struggle. I'm just trying to fix this shit. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Right. That's it. And I mean, like, you know, I've studied emotional intelligence. And so I've also learned, like, socialization. Women grow up in social settings where we're encouraged to discuss our feelings all the time. Mm-hmm. So, like, and men don't. Yeah. And so, like, an example... A tea party or playing house. Right. Oh, how do you feel? Let's set the dolls up. And how was your day today? And my day was good. But if you're playing basketball, you're playing football, and you fall, and your knee is fucked up, it's given. You need to get up because we got to keep going. You prove through physical as a man, everything. Even if it's lifting something, moving something. We've been bringing the groceries for grandma as a kid. Who could carry the most food? Who could do the most? We've had pancake conversations. Who could eat the most food? Mm -hmm. So us is always like proving the physical thing. (laughs) And it's never a gauge of like, it's always about the collective Mm -hmm. for men. It's a, how can I make sure that me as a part of the team keeps the thing going? Yeah. It's like a wheel. Yeah. So like y'all can't afford to have a flat tire. And that for me is sad. Not sad in a way that I pity it. It's sad in a way that that doesn't have to be the case. And so my whole goal was to try to create a safe space where you can slow down for a second. You know what I mean? And it's just cool. Um, Because, yeah, I mean, like, Dave Chappelle got this joke where it wasn't supposed to be a joke, but it's funny. And he was like, as a black man, I did something that not a lot of black men get to do. I asked myself, how do I feel about this? And that joint always stuck out to me because that's some rip shit. Mm-hmm. Where, when do black men get to ask themselves how do they feel? Rarely. Because you taking time to ask how you feel in that moment is stopping the progress of the group. And so if everyone's depending on the whole, you to keep moving so the group keeps moving, we don't really have time to reflect on your feelings. Yeah. We don't. 
And so I used to run this similar seminar in the football team at Howard. Okay. Because I wanted them to know a lot of my clients were football players. Yeah. They still are. Yeah. And I'm like, you, it's okay. You sad? I've had boys break down in my chair, you know, because I'll be on their ass too. Yeah. Like, look, <laughs> I'm late for your appointment. I remember I had one client, if he ever sees this, I'm not going <laughs> to say your name, baby, but you know this is about you. Um, he was late every day. For four and a half years that we were four years that he was in school, and every time I would be like, "How the fuck are they gonna let you graduate? You can't go to a job interview if you're late." I said, "You need to respect my time the same way you respect everybody else's time." Mm-hmm. And I talk to them just like this. They know better. They can go on probation. You cannot come back. But I'm gonna talk to you the way of the world. But I love you. And he got to the chair. He was. 20 minutes later, I was like, nigga, you supposed to graduate tomorrow. You still <laughs> running the same shit you was running. Yeah. He came, sat down, and just broke. Yeah. And I was like, oh, no. And then everything came out. And it was, this didn't happen, and this didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Why the fuck am I doing this? And why the fuck? And that was one of the sadder moments. And I'm getting chills right now. Still- but, like, thinking about it, but, like, it also let me know how important what I was doing was. Yeah. Yeah. I had a client tell me, I did his hair, and he was like, this is the last time you're going to see me. I don't feel like I need to be alive anymore. Mm, yeah. I said, oh, nah, then I'm not going to finish your hair. <laughs> right, right. Like, we're just not going to finish. Yeah. And he's still my client. Okay. And that was years ago. So, you know, just like that, those moments. Well, like the- yeah, and, and I kind of just want to touch on that more because you mentioned that Howard. Like, what was that experience? Like, you know, we hear Howard, we hear the Mecca. H-U, um, and I know you're from D.C., so probably similar to me. When we're from the town, we don't look at Howard the same way as other people look at it, compared to, like, other stuff in the city, museums and, yeah. oh, the White House up the street. You know, we just look at it as normal. But, you know, growing up in D.C. and then going to such a prestigious university, you know, in a black community, like, how did that make you feel? Like, what was the experience, the network, just did it live up to the hype is what I'm pretty much asking. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I was impressed by Howard even as a Washingtonian. Yeah. So... Yeah, you went to homecoming sure. as a kid and all that? Yeah, yeah I did I all this stuff. To the yard fest. Doing everything, sneaking on campus, yeah. doing all that stuff. <laughs> but nah, Howard's a different world. Yeah. It's, yo, and I didn't there play tourist while I was there because by that point I was a tourist. Yeah. I had lived in Chicago for seven years. Mm-hmm. And then I lived in Atlanta for like a year on some other shit. I'm not even going to look at the camera. I'm just going to look straight at you. I was in Atlanta. What happens in Atlanta stays in Atlanta. (laughs) And so, hey, I'm not, I'm just happy. What part? Southwest? Look, I keep scratching y'all because I have sunburn. What part of Atlanta you was in? Um, I was in Buckhead. So I had two very different lives, right? I lived in Buckhead. (laughs) And then I also lived, no, that's Bankhead. Oh, so Bankhead and Buckhead is different. Yeah, well, I heard Bankhead, Bankhead is, is so the, long. It's Bankhead a long trip. is the hood. Buckhead is the is very nice. Ah, uh, okay, it's okay. The, it's, it's the but that. But see, thing. it's so it. But it's not really a Buckhead. They just call it Bankhead, right? Is Buckhead is the name of that section of town. Right, but it they call. A, but the hood, they nicknamed it Bankhead. I don't think so. Okay. I don't know. That's I don't I, know. Yeah, because I because I, growing up, like I mean, you know, T I always talk about Bankhead, and then somebody told no, me. No, I could swear that's two different. Locations. Yeah, they was like I thought it was just one other side, but maybe I wrong. have no idea. I just know I lived in Buckhead, and then I also lived in the hood because I lived right next to. Were you next to the bluff? So when I went to Atlanta. Yo, I was in the bluff. Oh my god. That's dangerous. You know, it was. It was so sorry. we were there for a conference for HBCU. Um, shout out to my boy Zay. 
And we went, so it was just funny how this whole story. So Zay cousin was there. We went to go link up with her. And we went to link up with her. One of the, I think, I want to say it was Takeoff. One yeah, of Bankhead the is on the south. It's on the, the south? Yeah, downtown. West of, down, west of downtown. But when we went to the bluff, we stopped at the gas station. And then T.I. was having a concert across the streets. So it was like a let up. But like, it was like. And you know, brought him in DC, you know DC, but it was like Southside on ten. Like it was yeah. the, the, the gas. I ain't never seen the gas that like the stuff they sold in the gas and stuff. But it was different. Like I was yeah. like, what? <laughs> but yeah, shout out to the eight. I got a lot of people. You know, a lot of people from DC down there. Um, a lot of people from HBCUs went down yeah. after school. A lot of people still live down there. Yeah, and I, and I, it's a city I always looked at um, and possibly moving, but I just never had the opportunity to go. You know, because I know some people go there and kind of like, oh, I'm chasing a dream. But, like, I'm like, no, I won't go down there and set up, you know, I had stuff together. I mean, it's down, it's one of those things, it's like Houston. It's like one of those black cities you move to once you want to, well, I feel like. You would just move down there and you just live down there. Like, that's your thing now. Like, I live in Atlanta now. You know what I mean? Like, it's not a transient city. Like, you don't pop it. It's not New York. It's slower. It's the South. Mm-hmm. Right, because it's, it's really, still the it South. It is really the South. Yeah. That's like, as people... much as it's a city... I think the music really gives us a vibe of like it's a it's a LA New York, but yeah, it's, it's really still the South. I mean south. Georgia in general, people don't realize Georgia is like that's South South. That's the South. Like as much as people you know have their uh, you know assumptions about Florida and stuff, I tell people like you know Florida could be whatever, but I'm like no Georgia like like Savannah. You ever been to Savannah? Um no. I love Savannah, but you go to Savannah like you feel like you going back in the day like it's really? that Southern feel. But Savannah's a beautiful city. But it's that small town. You go on the different tours of where the plantations used mm-hmm. to be at. It's one of the most walkable cities in the U.S. So I only been to Savannah. Well, I went in college for a conference, but my mom and I will always go to Hilton Head Island in South Carolina. I want to go there. I love Hilton Head. It's my oh, favorite my spot. It's like 35, 40 minutes away from Savannah. So uh-huh. we just drove over the bridge, went over there shopping. We was looking for soul food. We know we're going to find soul mm-hmm. food over there. So. Yeah, Georgia, but Georgia is that country, real feel. You get that when you're there. <laughs> it definitely feels like that, yeah. I definitely only made it, like, what, six months, eight months. Yeah, and what year were you in Atlanta? 2013. Okay. So, because I always heard it's always, I mean, especially around that time, it's been, you know, that growing chocolate in Black City. But I think now it's just, it's more, you know, mainstream because of celebrities and politicians. But I don't know how to put it. It made me uncomfortable because yeah. it was just given, like, Nouveau riche, mm. and that that lifestyle makes me uncomfortable. You know, yeah. I, I don't know. I didn't grow up around people that's just like brand new money or, and act like that all the time. Yeah, so it I just heard that it's a, a little lot. more. And and you know what? I could assume. and I love that for them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But it's all like but everything I, is given like love and hip hop, right, 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 Real Housewives. It's kind of like that in some parts of Miami too. And you know, I think that comes from when you. A lot of people in these cities, like in D.C., it's like you have us that's from mid-born and raised, but then you got a lot of transplants coming mm-hmm. in. So people just, yeah, I, I can see how that could be. But I, everyone that's been to Atlanta, they tell me that they say it's more of like super flashy, super fashion, yeah. super what you're and doing. Even the, and even like the old money families that are down there, yeah. it still gives slavery. Like it's still very <laughs> classes, racist. Like you could tell. Like, I heard one side is like really divided. Because even through the election, they said, like, when uh, Keisha had ran, it was like, mm-hmm. it showed how divided the city was because the super black side she won, then the other side, the other person won, so. I don't know. It wasn't my cup of tea. You know, I don't want to be rude to anyone that's there. Yeah. Considering it, I think that it's a good place, and there's a lot of good food. Um, I just don't know. It wasn't for me long term. I'm really worried about my cup. Okay. <laughs> um, so, Yeah. 
Oh, I just dropped a book on Amazon. It's called Views. E I E W S. Don't look for it yet. I just did it last oh, night. Okay, they okay. need twenty four hours to review <laughs> it. Approve. Um, waiting for that approval status. <laughs> but it's called Views. It's a wellness workbook. Um, and the seminars will be coming soon. The information for my Instagram and everything is just N A T U R A W underscore C C. N A T U R A W underscore C C. And the website is the same thing. N A T U R A W cc.com so absolutely and um one thing i ask the guests on here to all come on here um you know it's something i call it any means moment so any means is like so dreams by any means that's my instagram twitter handle it's something i live by but any means is like my mindset and i ask people you know like describe when you had an any means moment and any means moment could just be overcoming a challenge maybe setting a goal that seemed you know uh, unrealistic but you still got it um you know you may have been everything going smooth, a family member gets sick or something just go off track. But, like, talk about a moment where, like, you just, you was like, I ain't going like that. And you just kept moving and you got through and you accomplished that goal. I mean, is it fair to say I be doing that shit every day? Like, nah. <laughs> every day is a by any means moment. I love talk, Malcolm X. Yeah, every moment is like that. Yeah. I be overcoming like we all yeah I haven't had my dad died when I was 23 mm-hmm. and he died all of a sudden and I was out of this the city I was in Atlanta yeah and I'm not gonna say I knew something was gonna happen to him but I knew something was coming and um before he passed away I I was doing whatever I wanted to do yeah and so He's the sibling in his family who did all the th- all the stuff, the most successful. Mm-hmm. And so when he passed, now I'm my grandmother's person that's in charge of her will. Like, now I'm responsible for a lot of stuff he's responsible for. Okay. And I took all of his things at once. I didn't even grieve. I let everyone else grieve. And then so I tried to be like him. So that was probably my by any means moment. Where I said, I'm going to step up. That's when I went to Howard. That's when I started moving in the legal realm. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, just doing things that... I mean, shit, my dad was an accountant. My degree's in economics. Kind of just paralleling his contribution. Mm -hmm. My parents taught us to be of service. And everything that I do is about service. So, shit, even when I was just fucking around, it was still about service. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think my by any means moment came around then and just deciding to be a leader and deciding to wear different hats. Yeah. And I guess, like, the shoot, I'm going to bring the Bible back up again if you got to quote a book. You know, to put away childish things and to just be the adult that I had to be. And I was 23, which I think is too young to have to be an adult. I think 30 is when you should really start being responsible for things. That's when life starts. Yeah. (laughs) But that was a moment that I I won't ever forget, and I feel like I'm defined by. Is that good? No, that's perfect. That's perfect. (laughs) I mean, it's every moment, but no, that's solid, though. I can only imagine, like, you know, you just saying a relationship that you and your dad had, and entrepreneurship and being his friend and you know just all of a sudden happens like because I, 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 I didn't deal with my 
a parent passing, but my senior year, my mom got really sick. And it's crazy. Like, when I was just saying I was in Atlanta, that's when I had found out we were down in Atlanta. Went there for a conference, got a call about that. Like, whole trip was, for me, it was just done. Like, I yeah. was just mentally, like, I'm like, bro, like, nah. Like, I'm up because I really wanted to leave early. I'm like, I'm going to stay for the next few days. As soon as we get back to school, I'm on the road back to D.C. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And, like, I think, I, I know you can relate to it. Like, but people don't understand, like, when, you, especially when you're young, and if it's you lose a parent or if your parent is sick, when that coaching and that guidance is taken away, because my mom was, like, sick. We're like, you know, I, we couldn't, I couldn't talk. She was, you know, really in the hospital, hospital. But I'm saying when that coaching goes away and then you have to do everything that they taught you, and then you have to, I can only imagine, like, you know, uh, um, your dad passing, your mom, or you've been close. Imagine how your relationship with your mom, like how you had to be there for her. She had to be there for you. Oh, that's just been, I mean, that's my girl. Yeah. You know? I ask for my dad all the time. Like, he's the only person I know that could move how he moves. So, like, and then in business, I needed somebody that moved the way he does. Yeah, yeah. He does. Well, and what it is sucks. that? Like, is it his mindset? His, his he swagger? He just know how to get shit done. Okay. And it's not always, like, I have a stepdad. Okay. And they, they're just so different. They're both phenomenal. They, are they totally different? Yes, uh, okay. <laughs> it blows me. <laughs> like, I'll call my dad on some shit, and he'd be like, "Now nah, what you need to do is boom, 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 yeah. boom. My stepdad would be like, well, you could look it up, and it'll tell you to go step like this, step like this, step like this. And I'm like, bro, I didn't call you for the steps. I need you to finesse that shit. Mm-hmm. And so that finesse shit that I got, I learned from my dad. Yeah. But, like, I need more. And I never expected to be like him. Because we're so similar, we didn't. I feel like I didn't talk to him and get a lot of information that mm-hmm. I needed because yeah. I resented it. And so it fucked me up because it was like, damn, now I'm sitting here like, damn, I really need to, to yeah. holler at this man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And nobody moves like him. Yeah. So now I'm just stuck trying to pull shit out of my ass like that I think he would do mm-hmm. to try to make it work. Make but it work. I just pray a lot because... Yeah. You know, that's the only way. I believe in God, so I don't know what everybody else believes, but I believe that I have access to him through God. And so I just ask for that. And I ask for the guidance, that divine guidance, because shit, man, he be blowing me. Like, I don't really be talking to that man sometimes. I can't believe you would just leave me here like this. And that'd be the, and that'd be the selfish thing. And, you know, to mention the thing about God, it's funny because, you know, always growing up, grew up in a church, and they would tell us, you know, you got to trust God's will. Yeah. And that's how, you know, my mom got sick. That's how I was like, I was like, I'm like, God, like, this can't be like, you afraid. You, you made this up right, right. Like, you, you made serious, this up. You know? <laughs> and that's when your faith really, 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 mm-hmm. really, really get tested. But, yeah, in the midst of the storm, it's like, you'd be like, bro, like, well, that's how I was. Like, my mom got sick. I'm senior year, student government, mm-hmm. full grad. I'm about to graduate. I'm doing all these speeches on campus, and, like, my mom can't be, you know, so it was just, like, nerve-wracking. But, you know, looking back on it, like, man, like I said, that situation made me a man. Like, it made me a man for sure. Like, and mm-hmm. my faith, it got tested, but it, it, it grew so much strong because I was, it, I was like, really down. And then one day I know that I was taking a shower, I'm listening to gospel music, and I'm thinking to myself, because my mom was sick, I'm, oh, let me get fried, oh, let me do, let me do that. And one day I'm in the shower, and I was like, I said, bro, like, Pretty much, shout out my boy Flo. Flo was telling me, he said, bro, you can't pray and then have doubt. He was like, you can't have Right, they so don't like, exist. Yeah, it's like, once you know if you need bro, he's like, you can't go around wondering, stressing, still crying. And like, I was in there, I was like, you know what? I said, yeah, I said, we, we, we about to get through this, you know what I'm saying? So I got out of the shower. I was like, nah, we, we keep pushing. 
you got to drive to Georgetown, you got to drive back, whatever you got to do, but it's like, just stay here. And like people, you know, good old saying, like, person's only strong as you are when they mm-hmm. down. So I'm going in there, got to put on my poker face, got to mm-hmm. be like, oh, yeah, mom, we good, you know. And it was just, bro, it was crazy. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, talking, but like, it was crazy because when she was in there, she wasn't talking. And I remember her uh, mouthing the words, pretty much just telling me because she, you know, she was like, she's mouthing words but she was saying like I need you to be that nigga like that's what she was telling Aww, me like, she's like I yeah. need you to get it done like you know what I'm saying I remember just taking and going with that and even like my mother loved herself some John Wall it was a night where John Wall was killing and they was telling me it was like yeah your mom stopped talking it was like they were like, uh, who's John? It was like, is it her husband or someone? And I freaking like, she was talking John about the Wall. gang. And pretty much what she was telling the doctor was John Wall is a beast. And I'm saying that, it's like, I took, Yo, your mom is yeah, I took that with me too, based yeah. on like, I'm a big basketball fan. It was like just taking that mindset of Wall and going hard. Mm-hmm. And you know, uh, John Wall and his mom was really, really close. She actually passed away a couple of uh, years ago, but they mm-hmm. were really, really close. So just taking that stuff, you know, in mind, but, um, yeah, when we go through them storms, it, it, you'd be like, come on, God. But, you know, one thing for me, growing up in the church, um, when I was in Baltimore, I said a Bible study. And they talked about the fruits that God promised you in the mm-hmm. Bible. You know, love, all that. And long-suffering is one of the things that he promised you. So i never forget being in church, and I was like, oh, it all makes sense now. Right. It's like, this is why my life is in shambles. <laughs> like, he promises the good, but he also mm-hmm. tell you, like, nah, I got to put you through this. But he also put you through that too to show you he's real. Yeah. Like, I'm going to show you I'm real. Like, no matter how hard it hurt, I'm going to show you that I could get you out through this. And it's crazy that there's a verse for anything we go through in life. Like, anything. You don't have to really be Christian to appreciate the Bible. Yeah. You don't have to be Christian to appreciate the Bible. You just have to be able to appreciate an open-minded conversation. Um. Damn. You said something, and I and it gave me a thought, but... Nah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, no, nah, for sure. But um, yeah. So you dropped your handles. Um, this was great for those that are listening. Like this exchange right now, we we just met. Yeah, we just what? met. We're just having this conversation uh, like three hours, four hours yeah, ago. Yeah, we just met. Coming we were we're here. in here a long a lot longer than we were supposed to. Right, be, right. Actually. <laughs> yeah, they told us about two. Was at two forty five to three forty five. But this is the importance for those that are listening of like networking and relationships. Like this gathering spot right here is so funny because this spot I've read up on it. I was in the chat, we was joking about, like, man, why they charging so much? Or who's going to pay for this? Who's going to pay for that? And I'm saying that to say is that, you know, this is one thing I love about D.C. is that those opportunities to connect are really here. Like, there's been times you go out, or when I lived over near Eastern Market, like, one of my neighbors from Argentina, oh, I just moved here. Then it's like, oh, you got, you just different people. So saying that to say for y'all listening, like, you got to keep networking. We in a virtual world now. I'm a full-time remote employee, so I don't get to see people all the time. So it's easy to go. You know, work, log off, may go work out in the gym, go grocery shop, come home. But, like, you got to keep growing that circle. You and to connect to you people. You grow, you learn so much from anything. More important, importantly, you learn a lot from strangers. That's what my uh, honey always told me. And that's right now, mm-hmm. like, and, like, I'm big on energy. So, it's like, when I meet people, I'm like, I already know. Like, all right, we can get a feel for each other. You just get a feel, you know, people are. And even if you meet that person and y'all never talk again, like, mm-hmm. just get something from each other. You know, learn something from each other. Exchange info, whatever the case is. Because another thing of networking, which people got to realize, is that it's not always about you. 
as I met you, it's like you telling me the different stuff you're doing. You telling me how to scan your products. You telling me you do locks, and I'm like, my right hand man just got his locks. So I'm about mm-hmm. to, hey friend, I just met somebody to do locks, bro. You know what I'm saying? And Fran actually is a, a barber too. Like he, oh, he just got his uh, yeah, I'm a studying to be a barber too. license from Rose. You know, Rose already got a free program. That's why I'm getting mine at Estee. Yeah, his mm-hmm. dad is uh, uh in the barber business. That's something I want to get under my belt too because I want to own a barber shop. You might as well go get. And, the, and you gotta have your license. Yeah, you gotta have your license. So I'm, Look, it's free. It's Shout free. out to Mario, man. Like it's a lot of free programs in the city. Man, DC is yeah, actually but, but the you, shit. Yeah, you got to just get down to it. But yeah, I just always... Did you just shout out Muriel? Yeah. No, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not like she... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Shout we, out Muriel. We got to shout out to her. Yo, you show. do got to shout out Muriel because... Yeah. Okay, I only know her a little bit. Like, yeah. I never worked for her. But she be chilling. No, nah, she, she be she chilling. She be chilling. Like, she be at Tacoma Station and she, cooling. And she, like... One thing I like about her, like, she herself meaning, like... I always tell people. I'm That's like, really how she is. Like Mario, like if compared to other politicians, yeah. she like you see it on the news. She doesn't care like if you gonna try to talk trash. She gonna go on you. <laughs> yeah, she, she deep down got DC in her. She like is. she not gonna go like that. But you know, everybody. I think in leadership, everybody. That's the is, police. You don't remember that yeah. when she was right, right. The police. <laughs> the police. <laughs> yeah, everybody's like you know when you sign up for those elected positions, you open yourself to scrutiny and you know criticism. And I understand people got different things, but I, and I'm saying it's just from. You know, I don't agree with everything, but I agree with majority of she does, and I think she's doing a great job. And in the times that we imagine are, all the influence that she has in yeah. her ear, asking her to do stuff, right? That yeah. don't look like her. And imagine and, her, I'm sorry, but coming in the off, mm-hmm. coming in the office after you know how I go with politics after you don't have people for eight years before you do this stuff. So it's yeah. like people try to blame her for gentrification, but it's like if you follow politics, just go back to Anthony Williams. We just seeing the results. I, of I it. think that she's doing her. That I want to say that she's doing her best to keep DC as DC as it can be with all the influence of because whoever's listening to this, we're not going to pretend like a group of white people is not a very annoying thing in your ear. I know that it's hordes of white folks that want shit done in this city that are like in her ear, like you need to do this, you need to do this. Her machine, she's just a politician. Yeah. She's just a politician. People be so hard on her. And, 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 and that's the thing you said, like, people in the air, and that's the one thing that reflects from her cabinet and, and the agencies, though. You know, it's a lot of people that look like us. It's it a is. Lot, it's, it's, more, more. it's a lot of Washingtonians. It's more. She gets yeah. everybody from the city in her, yeah. in her. But, you know, it's always the money that influences the stuff. So right. she has to balance all of that being thrown at her in the nation's capital. Yeah. I think she's doing a good job. Yeah, man. So shout, shout out to Madam Mayor. You're doing a good job. <laughs> but uh, appreciate you coming on here, Yana. We got to do this again. Yeah, no, um, no. I tell great. every guest is always open to come back. You know, we keep talking, keep deep diving. Um, well, maybe next time bring a guest with you. That's one thing I'm trying to uh, expand to. A lot of the listeners gave feedback and say, hey, we want to see like a group, three or four people. So oh, okay. maybe I'll have a panel and i hit you up and we'll get something popping. Appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in to Dreams by Any Means Motivation Station, where hustle plus faith equals success. Stay tuned for the next episode.